to the Better Golf Podcast, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. What is up, everybody? And thank you for joining us for the season finale of the FedEx Cup Playoffs. I'm your host, Spencer Aguiar. You can find me on Twitter at Tee Off Sports. Joined by my partner, as always, Nick Brettwish. You can get his work over at Sticks Picks. And the two of us will be running you through this slate from all perspectives this week and also breaking down a draft board that Nick took part in yesterday. And we're going to give you some of our favorite values to consider for the week. As always, if you aren't doing so already, we hope you will consider signing up for Underdog Fantasy, where you can play and hold real money drafts against either friends or random opponents. Sign up today with the code BGP to get a 100% bonus match of up to $100. Uh, take some of those funds, compete against Nick and I weekly. That's what we're going to be rolling over today, talking about what happened there. So don't miss out on the fun. Nick, how are you doing today, man? I'm well, thank you. I'm excited for the Tour Championship. The BMW is like, oh, I, I feel like we had the board surrounded. Um, Tony Finau did not come to play. My DFS lineups were like in the top 2%, I should say. I, you know, I don't think I had championship ability unless Fina went absolutely nuts on Sunday he did not um, but had low owned Denny obviously we uh, talked about um, Fitzpatrick a little bit on the show last week and then also on Twitter which was fantastic so great for him uh, iron play was fantastic something we haven't seen from him in a long time Hovland went absolutely nuts on Sunday and what I think you know, I was dead wrong about the uh the scoring prediction, I think, you know, sportsbooks were too. I think most lines I saw, like the highest I saw for winning score was like 10 and a half. So obviously the over covered with flying colors. I did not think they'd tear up the course that much. I knew it would play soft, but I thought throughout the weekend with the heat and everything, it would firm up. But these guys are awesome. It just is what it is. Uh, but man, Hovland tore up what I still believe is one of the hardest back nines in golf. Like people were not scoring very well on that back nine and Hovland just had a field day with it. So Good for him. Um, good for him to get that W. Cam uh, Young, kind of a disappointment. Started off strong, didn't get in the top 10. That was one of the tickets I was more highly exposed to. But Thigala came in the top 20, and then Harris English did get in the top 10, but we were victims to that dead heat. I think it paid out at plus 130 when it was 6-1 to one pre-tournament, so that kind of sucks. Um, and then, man, we could build a house with the closing value you found on Jordan Spieth over Lucas Glover. We got it at minus 115. I think when we were on this show still, that price was right around there because we were early with the show. And then the train left the station. I think it closed at like minus 205. So unbelievable. Almost 100 points of value on the books there. And it didn't matter. Glover still balled out. And Spieth kind of just, you know, sprayed the ball all over the place a little bit. Um, this week, I have one bet. And it's starting to leave the station a little bit. So again, you know, property taxes due here in the Midwest. I will see if they will let me pay those with closing line value that we've acquired over the past couple of weeks, see what they say. Uh, but I took Russell Henley top 10 at plus 165. I think the best price in the market right now is plus 150. So I don't think I would go there. My numbers had it at plus 130. So I did have 35 points of value there. Certainly worried about the dead heat implications again but with only 30 players in the field i think the uh you know that the odds of that are less i don't actually have the math on what the value is on that ticket with a potential dead heat but it is what it is other than that i did not run my numbers for without strokes and you said it best on the action show too it's hard to kind of like bet on something when these guys are in the mentality that there is starting strokes. so 
Um, something I'm just not there yet from a handicapping perspective. So I do want to get like your top 15 in your model. Because uh, well, your does your model can you turn off the starting strokes and just be like, hey, here's here are the best 15 expected yeah. course fits for me. So I think that'll be perfect because then we can kind of cater this whole show towards the uh, the showdown draft that we're going to talk about that we ran the other day. There's only four contestants because there's only 30 players in the field. Underdog currently has a roster size of six. Would be fun in the uh, in the future, and we'll certainly you know push this to the, our our folks at Underdog. Maybe if they can do like a a four man field, a four golfer field, or whatever like that, like for the team, and put more people in these drafts, something like that, I think would be pretty fun. Um, just like custom roster size, if you will, is probably what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, I guess overall, because the Underdog contest for these showdown slates, starting strokes don't matter. And for the um, showdown slates on Sailor Cap DFS, sorry, I'm, I'm a little slow today. I was out in the heat golfing and it was way too hot today in the Midwest. Um, but, you know, the showdown slates there are also just one round scoring. So I think if there's any time to hear your best course fits, it'd, it'd probably be now. So what are you looking at for the course in general at Eastlake? And then who are your top 15 to top 20 in expected strokes gained without the starting strokes? Yeah, I think as far as the course is concerned, it's very difficult when we talk about the staggered starting scores here, just because it's so difficult to make up ground. If you look at the past iterations of this contest, and I mean, last year got a little bit more out there at 17 under par, but most of these winners of the FedEx Cup or even of the tournament here, like if we just take it from a non-starting stroke perspective, you're looking at 11 under to 15 under. That's mostly where the winning score without the starting strokes coming into play ends up entering the mix. It's difficult though, Nick, because we talked about this yesterday. The majority of the strokes that these players are earning are taking place on the two par fives daily. So, you know, if you look at the players who have won the FedEx Cup, Rory gained 53% of that 72 hole output on those eight holes. Patrick Cantlay ran the table in 2021, 72% of his total. Uh, Rory, uh, a couple years ago, was nine under in his eight chances, 53% of his total. And then Dustin Johnson, very similar uh, two years ago or two or three years ago there, 55% of his strokes gained there. So you're really looking at a venue that is rewarding par five scoring here, but it's not allowing it in a way where you can separate yourself from the field. Obviously, you need to score on the par fives if you actually want a chance to win the title. But most of these names that are winning the title are coming near the top of the board because it's not one of those prototypical tracks where you can work yourself up the leaderboard um, just because there's less room for, I guess, deviation in the outcomes there. Most players are birding the par fives. Most players are trying to prevent making bogeys on these longer par three some of these longer par fours and then you do have a couple accessible par fours that might be the difference makers there if you can find birdies in those opportunities but it's a complicated field for staggered scoring and that's why i think that if you are building a model and i have it both ways you can look at where everything stands inside my model with the staggered start but i'll run through some of the players now of where it sits when i remove them from the mix so rory number one scotty scheffler number two victor hovland number three can't lay four, Rom is five, and then you get Sungjae six, Xander seven, Russell Henley eight, Tommy Fleetwood nine, Tom Kim ten, and then just to round out these last couple here, 
Lucas Glover, 11, Colin Morikawa, 12, Max Homa, 13, Ricky Fowler, 14, Terrell Hatton, 15. I think that's very in line with most of the market. Obviously, there's a couple deviations there. Like, I think my market is much heavier on Rory than, than other places would be. It really likes his course fit here. But I don't think you have too many outliers. Like, obviously, I'm lower on Max Homa than consensus. That's a name that I think everybody in the whole industry has a ticket on. And I'm kind of going the other way with a Patrick Cantlay ticket over him in a head-to-head matchup. I think it's really interesting on the Homa regard there. Um, I'm sure you've noticed this also, Nick. A lot of these head-to-head matchups involving him and even some of his outright prices, they're all drifting in reverse. And with everybody on Homa in this spot, I do think that's sort of indicative of what the casinos think are going to happen. I was happy that I jumped in front of the Cantlay number before that number left the station on me. But you're going to kind of have that problem this week across the board. Talked about your Henley ticket. I could talk about any of the head-to-head matchups that I have. These numbers are moving quickly. Nothing is staying there for very long and uh, things are shifting just at pretty much the first couple dollars that seem to hit the space here for wh- however, whatever automation that they're using to move a number there. But um, I mean, I think that answers the question of the top 15 players, but if you have anything else you want to follow that up with Nick. No, let's uh, let's go through this underdog draft then real quick and we'll get out of here for a real quick show. But I love that you said Rory's number one. I figured you'd be happy with what I did in the three hole. John Rom goes too. So this draft round one was Scotty Scheffler from uh egale i think that's ed our boy ed on twitter and then prnst2 i don't know who you are but if you'd uh, like to announce yourself on twitter we'd be happy to have you but you go john rom threw me in a blender there i was not thinking i thought rory especially with course history and how much the public loves course history and just how good a shape his game's in i know he's not winning but he is playing fantastic golf right now on all sorts of ball striking metrics everything's up uh, Rory falls a three four, so I think you're gonna be okay with my choice there. I did not get Jason Day. Um, he fell. I oh god, no, he went right before, and that sucks. We'll get to round five in a second here, but round one: Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Rory Cantlay. If Rory went at two, I was not going to take John Rahm. I was going to take Cantlay at three, and it sounds like your numbers agree with that. Yeah, I'm completely fine with that. I think you could make an argument between Hovland or Cantley there. I don't have an issue. I mean, the one thing with Cantley is he's starting a little further back. Maybe there's more ease that he can play with with on Thursday there. Um, I, I think in general, the top five, and we'll include Hovland that goes off at the next pick there at the 201. But I think that's the top five. I don't know if that's necessarily the order that I would have put them in. Uh, for me, you probably got the 101 at the 103. So Uh, That is very good for our lineup this week, but there's no big uh, divergences, I guess, for my numbers, more or less. I mean, like nobody made a egregious mistake at this point. All right. Round two, we got Eric Ducharme at Victor Hovland 2-1. I think we'd all agree with that. I just took Xander at 2-2 because I thought he's the best golfer left in terms of high upside. Jordan Spieth goes a third pick in round two. PRNST. Uh, we got to get a better acronym for that. We're just going to, I don't know what to even call him, but PRNST, I guess we're not going to get a better acronym for your name today. Uh, he went contrarian pretty much across the board, so I kind of like love the balls on on this draft there. So Jordan Spieth at 2.3, and then Max Homa goes 2.4 for our boy Ed. What do you think about round two there with Hovland, Shaw, Lee, Spieth, and Homa? Feels very standard with the Hovland, Shaw, Lee route. I, to me personally, 
I think things went off the rail a little bit with the Spieth and Homa pick. Like, like I talked about, everybody is on Homa this week. I think I don't have the ADPs up in front of me. I'm sure that's a very standard uh, to go at the 204 of a four-person draft for Homa. That's earlier for, than my liking would have been. I had him 13th in my model there. Jordan Spieth would be the name that's much further down the list. I mean, I guess with Spieth, at least you have the upside ability that he brings to the table. But 23rd for me with no starting strokes into the mix, I always worry about his erratic nature out at East Lake. Like if it pops for one day, that's fine. I just think you could have gotten Spieth later. You probably, I mean, you definitely could have gotten him at the 302, but I, I'm not so sure that you couldn't have gotten him in the fourth round potentially. So who would you have taken before him? Me personally, I would have went Morikawa and probably Sanjay M and also yeah. Russell Henley because I know I made that choice in the next round, but I think Morikawa would have been my staple there. Just yeah, kind of eat the chalk there, take the take the safety and the ball striking of Kyle Morikawa. And of course, I believe he's played quite well on him. I would take Sungjae. Um, I don't have a problem with the Morikawa play. Like it would be Sungjae, Henley, Fleetwood, Morikawa. I think any of those names make logical sense. Right on. All right, round three. We got Ed taking Kyle Morikawa, PRNST taking Wyndham Clark. The boys take Russell Henley because it's better golf pod, and we have to take Russell Henley. We are sworn to our boy Russ and his ball striking, his putting, his around the green play, his driving accuracy. Everything is fantastic. Just go score on the par fives like Spencer talked about, Russ, and finish inside the top 10 without a dead heat is all I'm asking for. It's not too much. And then Sunjay M at 3-4. So what about Wyndham Clark here? Because our, our boy, our contrarian boy here, or girl, whoever it was, PRNST, definitely went contrarian the whole draft. Um, Wyndham Clark, I do like that pick. I, I think that this is actually a great course for him with how he's kind of turned around his ball striking overall in that iron play. So I do think that he certainly belongs in the early round threes. And someone you should definitely look at in salary cap DFS this week. I think he's obviously interesting from a contrarian sense. Nobody's going to play him in salary cap. Like that's a, a noteworthy thing there. I don't know as the 10th name off the board. If I love it though, like if not to move forward in the draft, but a name like Tommy, oh, go ahead. I mean, a, yeah. a name like Tommy Fleetwood, a name like Ricky Fowler, Tom Kim, I feel like Clark is probably around too early here um, than where we ended up seeing him go off the board. Like, I don't know if the 10th spot is necessarily where I would be wanting to, to grab him at. Got it. Okay. And I think there's a fantastic value with Sanjay M at three, four, especially based on your numbers. I know you agree there round four, we got Eric Ducharme going Ricky Fowler, I wasn't going out of my way to pick Tommy Fleetwood. I know how much your numbers liked him and how much you talked about him on the action show. He kind of just fell in our lap. And I kind of, that's, that's how I felt about Xander too. It's like, I wasn't going on my way to get him, but he was still sitting there at pick six. So I'll take that. But at pick 14 for Tommy Fleetwood, I don't think there's anybody left in this draft that I would have taken, would have even considered taking before him. So I think Tommy kind of just fell in our lap there. And then Tom Kim for, PNRST, I like that pick. I think that's where they kind of went back to the non-contrarian route and then see who came for Ed. I feel like this round is pretty standard, and I like it a lot. I think it's very standard, too, because if you look at what Ed did, like, let's just hypothetically, he gets the next pick after Siwoo Kim. Just put, I would take Glover instead of Siwoo, but by being able to go back-to-back picks, he gets the two names off the board that he should take there, so... 
Uh, I thought it was incredibly standard. Every single name that went off there is probably value on the surface. Right on. All right, round five, you mentioned it. Lucas Glover goes to Ed. Your boy Jason Day goes a pick before I could have taken him. Sure, I would have done that. I definitely would have followed your rules and got Jason Day. But when he did go, I was like, oh, shit, I don't really. I'm in a blender, and I took Brian Harmon. I regret it. I feel like I should have took Haddon before Brian Harmon. I feel like I should have went strong with my boy Fitz. Tony Fino's on my blacklist officially. I've tried too many times. Uh, I definitely like his skill set over all those guys, Jason Day, Harmon, Fitz, Hatton, and everybody who went after it. But I went with Brian Harmon. I don't know how I feel about that. How's Brian Harmon look for you? So Harmon grades 16th overall. I, I actually think with the 19th pick in the draft, you probably got value there for how far he fell. He would not be a name that I would have been looking to attack necessarily, but at a certain point, everybody becomes a value if they fall far enough down the board. So I thought there was a handful of names here. And, and I think even just the the pick right after that, if you look at Fitzpatrick, not a huge Fitzpatrick fan this week, but uh, that's kind of all those names. And that's even what I'm talking about a little bit with Wyndham Clark. Those are all the names that seem to be lower on the exposure list for players this week. You know, all of a sudden you move Clark into the fifth round, the value looks a lot better inside of my model there. If you can just move Clark back a couple of picks, but I think that's what you did with Harmon. I think that's what Eric did with Matthew Fitzpatrick and the Glover value in the fifth round to me is probably one of the best picks on the board. I, I legitimately think you could make a strong argument that he should be a third round pick. Like if you swapped him and Wyndham Clark, that's probably fitting for me of where those players should have gone off the board. Right on. All right. Last row. We got Eric Ducharme at the six, one taking Finau. Then Hatton goes to us, which again, I feel like he just fell in our lap. So yeah, I felt he was the best player available. Then Taylor Moore and Grio, any complaints or anybody you love in that round six. Um, and then I will pull up the ADPs at underdog. Also, we get, if there's anybody you want to mention and salary cap, that's going to be completely unowned. Um, we could do a little bit of ownership review there and who we like instead. No, I, I think it's, I, I think the two best values in the round and, and obviously this, this comes from two people on the show and I'm just going to link you in with me here because I feel like this yeah, is our yeah, thing. No I, we play Finau every single week. Yep. I think Finau's great value this late into a draft here. Like oh, it's God. at some point though, at some point, who are you taking? Like, who is, let me ask you this, who did not get selected that you think should have been taken? Um, Sam Burns didn't get drafted. I don't mind him. I know he's DFS chalk of the chalk this week at the price points. So I see Connors, I like it. I, Connors yeah, Bradley, I Shank, Burns, Straka, Taylor. That looks to be the names that were not selected. Yeah. yeah. So I would say Corey Connors for sure. Keegan Bradley for sure. Sep, I'm kind of just always in between on him. I, I can't ever get a good read. So I'm, I wouldn't put him in that conversation. But I would say for me, the three that I would take before Taylor Moore, before Grio, and right now before Tony Fino, unfortunately, maybe not Sam Burns, but definitely Corey Connors and Keegan Bradley. Yeah, instead of Taylor Moore and Grio, I would have taken Connors and Bradley. That's how I would have wrapped it up. But 
you know, you got to shoot your shot at the end there. It's the last pick to be made. If your model or your numbers think something opposite than what my numbers do or what your numbers do, Nick, uh, I mean, that's why we play. If there's, you think you have an advantage, obviously you're going to shoot for the moon on it. Yeah. So right now, oh, the last drafted guy, let's see, ADP. Right now, Siwoo Kim is way down there. Grio's way down there, and Sep Strzok are the last three being drafted right now on underdog. So our draft was certainly different, so I do enjoy that. I like people getting weird with it. Shout out to PNRST2. Um, got weird with that draft. I respect the hell out of that. But I think that's probably more of a GPP draft than what you should do in a four-person. But it is a winner-take-all. So, I mean, you're either first or your last pretty much. Yeah, and there's we're a- another another 25 at first exactly i mean you have an added bonus to try to get contrarian in that sense with it just based off of that adp that i could see on there Sibu kim and lucas glover those were two of the bottom five i believe yeah glover is going 25th yeah like th- those are two of the better values and I-, I would even make an argument just back the fitzpatrick thing if he's going outside the top 20 there um I think it becomes interesting at a certain point, like for as much as he's being overhyped in some senses, like there's also too much negative reversal. When you look at a site like underdog here, where I, I do think he's a top 20 play in this tournament. And that's Sung Jay. I think Sung Jay's going too deep. I think um, you obviously got hat and it looks like much later than value. consensus. Yeah. So that's, that's good value there for sure. But um, interesting to see that Nick Taylor is, not one of the last names. It's very, very weird underdog ADPs going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, right now. The, the slates are so immature and like people don't like, I mean, that as like not a lot of people are playing these still. I've had a lot of success not putting much money in here at all. Like, full discrepancy, I still play a lot more Sailor Cap DFS than I am with these showdown slates on underdog. But again, we're hoping for. Full slates next year. I think that'll grow this this thing a lot more, and that'll be a lot of fun. But it's not hard to cash. It's like I pretty much just run right off my numbers, and I don't really – I haven't looked too much into weather edges besides the first couple of weeks we did it when there was noticeable wind changes throughout the day. Um, but other than that, it's it's been pretty fun, so I would definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, on a salary cap format, is there anybody that – is going well under the radar for you. Like right now, like I look at ownership projections, it looks like no one's going to play Fitz and Glover is still going under the radar for everybody, I guess a little bit, or they just think the the steam's going to run out. And then my favorite play of the week, I think in terms of ownership overall is going to be uh, last year, last week is Harris English. That worked out fantastic. I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler this week. I think that makes sense. Um, there's a couple players for me that, I would say lower than they should be. Uh, I'll actually name a handful here to give to give a few names. Uh, Glover, yeah, no, Fowler. No. I think Cantlay is really interesting because there is hidden win equity with him that people don't seem to be buying into. It's the same answer with Glover. There, there's a certain threshold where this gets cut off to where I don't think you can actually win this event. Like, I'm being generous here. I'm going to say that the three unders, a name like Xander has an outside shot. I still think you're pushing things really far there. I think Cantley's probably the first or the, the first realistic option that can win at the back end there. And then same answer with Glover, but I, I think Cantley's interesting for salary cap. Um, Tom Kim. I, I think okay. that 
that the ownership there, I see sub 20%. And then I was expecting higher ownership than what we got because it started so hot during to, to start this week with Sungjae, but I only see 23% right now, which puts him the ninth person in ownership. I thought Sungjae was going to be the number one owned player. Since we don't have that, I actually think that he's interesting from an ownership sense. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm indifferent on Sunjay, but everything but I play Sunjay every there, day, so. Yeah, you do. And that's how I feel with Tony Finau. I'm just um, I need to take a break of Finau. Um so temporary blacklist, I'll say that, and then maybe he's back next year. I don't know. We'll see. Um thoughts on John Rahm, just because we may get like close to single digits in salary caps on John Rahm. I Again, think he's just I think he's interesting is, leverage. Is, yeah. Like, does he ever just come back out of nowhere when his ball striking numbers have been this bad for, I don't even want to say this bad, Like, he was awesome at the open championship. FedEx is kind of just all over the place last week. Just didn't do much. Let me see what his strokes game ball striking was. He was 37th in the field. Like, man, what is he doing? Well, so that, like, I would love for him to like he was an auto play this winter and spring and then just kind of when he withdrew from the players and it kind of no because he won the Masters so it's like I don't know what to expect. It's really weird to answer that question because I brought up all his strokes gain data and he does have the propensity to bounce back but when you look at when he bounces back like I'll give a couple examples here. He loses 6.8 shots at the Arnold Palmer earlier this year. His next start, he wins the Masters. That sounds great. That was over a... He took a month off between those two tournaments. So he obviously figured something out. Uh, If you look at what he did at the Tour Championship last year, he lost 5.3 shots approach. He doesn't play for two months, and then he bounces back with a fourth at the CJ Cup. Um... You know, he loses 6.6 with his approach in 2022 at the players. He doesn't play for a month. And within two starts of that, he wins the Mexico Open. So I I don't know, Nick. It doesn't seem like he ever quite bounces back without that month that he takes off where he figures everything out. And maybe that's the answer is the first time we see him during the fall, whenever that is in the, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's the Ryder Cup where he becomes a really good value there, which is a weird event to bet, but um, maybe the first event that he does enter, maybe that's the bounce back spot where he's figured everything out and he feels comfortable to play there. So I don't know. Obviously, if you're playing ROM, you're doing it trying to be contrarian. I've done that for the past two weeks and it has burned me every single time. So I think you have to know what you're getting into if you play him. But look, you can do worse. I mean, ROM's one of the three, four best players in this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anybody really quickly before we'll get out of here at on this note, uh, anybody that you are just massively off this week that you think they are either too high price, too much ownership, any of that. Uh, I I mean, Sam Burns, do you see the ownership projections that I see? I see him being like the highest rostered player out there. Him and Seth more than I have, but I have a lot step up there. Um, I honestly I have, don't mind Adam Adam Shank where his uh 
I like Shank uh, I as a like contrarian he, pick. Yeah, I feel like he's a, a decent spot here. But Sam Burns and Sepp, if they are leading the field in rostership, I think I'd be out on both. If they are, if your numbers are correct, I, I think they're if even with the numbers I have, which is actually the interesting thing to this, if you're looking at who are the worst owned values inside of my model, it would be Sam Burns, Sepp Straka, and I have lower ownership percentages on them than you do. Emiliano Grio, Max Homa, yeah, Grio's Jordan Spieth. I'm Spieth out on pretty much too. all those names. Like I more so understand the Spieth one, I guess, if you're trying just to randomly throw a dart there. I think I'm out on Bern Straka, Grio, Homa. Just don't right, want to go on. there. All right. Any closing thoughts? No, I think that's it. We kept it under 30 minutes, so that's a success. Yeah, that is our first time ever. Um, I appreciate everybody's support this year. Got any questions or want to do any drafts or if you want to do a uh, Saturday or Sunday draft with us, we could always throw in more on the prize pool. Again, like Spencer said, it has been, you know, the best ROI you can get on that website is doing our contest. And we greatly appreciate everybody trying it out. I know there's a certain, you know, bugs to work out and everything and to get these things for a full tournament. Um, but should be a lot of fun. We'll uh, we'll keep pushing it and see what we could do. Uh, just a quick reminder, must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms do apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP, or text NEXT STEP to 53342. In New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-HOPE-NY, 8-HOPE-NY, sorry about that, and text HOPE-NY, that is 467-369. And then in Tennessee, call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. Spencer, close us out, buddy, and thanks again to everybody. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much to everybody who does make us a part of your weekly research process. We cannot thank you guys enough. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. As I said at the beginning, you can find Nick on Twitter at StixPix. I am at Tee-Off Sports, And you can use the code BGP to get a $100 match bonus and enter a pool against us to compete for real cash. Each tournament will have an added bonus to the prize pool, meaning that it should translate into being one of the best ROI spots on the board. By the way, Nick, I misspoke. We are now over 30 minutes, so uh, we prematurely called that bet. Uh, we should have known we were over 30 minutes. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so thank you guys right. for everything. We had, we we had to hit the soon. over. Yes. <laughs>